to see everybody this morning. Merry Christmas to all of you all. Uh, this is uh, a day we have set aside in our, certainly in the church, but in our culture even, to uh, recognize God sending His Son to earth. And that's where it all began, right? The Bible says that He was slain before the foundation of the world. I want to welcome all of you that have uh, joined us live, wherever you're at around the globe. Those of you that get this podcast. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things today. Uh, so maybe just a little bit out of the ordinary. Before we get started, the nursery's open. We're not attending the nursery, but if you need to take your child over there, there are coloring sheets and things over there. Uh, so that's open. We're going to do everything together this morning as a family. Uh, God, the Bible says God, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. So everything about Jesus had already been settled before, the, before we were even created, between the Father and the Son. And so we are here to celebrate God sending His Son to earth. And that's, what, that's changed everything. Uh, the miracle is not the birth of Jesus Christ. The miracle is the conception. Babies had been born for 4,000 years. They knew how to have babies. That wasn't nothing new. Uh, but the miracle is that Jesus was conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit, not by a man. And so that's, that's pretty powerful. God sent His Son and, uh, and impregnated Mary, and she bore the Son of God. She was overcome by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came to earth and walked in our shoes, and that's what the gospel is all about. Now, it's, very, it's most likely Jesus wasn't born this time of year, but it's very likely that He was conceived this time of year, which is, uh, which is the miracle. And so the miracle is that Jesus came as the light of the world and tabernacled here among us, walked in our shoes, was faced with all the temptations that we have, all the trials and all that, yet without sin. So that's our hope, our hope without a question mark, that Jesus Christ came to the earth, born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit to walk in our shoes. And not only to walk in our shoes, but to take our place on the tree, on the cross. That's what we're here to celebrate. So as we go into this service time, I would like for you just for this day, this day out of all days, Christmas fell on Sunday this year, and for this day, this year, I would like for you not to ask God for nothing during this service. I'd like for you just to give Him thanks and praise for sending Him son, His Son. And we know how good God is, and we know He can do far above what we can think or ask. You're going to have plenty of days and plenty of time to ask God for things that you need or you would like to see done. Uh, but today, just during this service, I'd like for us just to not ask Him for anything. I'd like for us to just give Him thanks, to give Him praise, and to really extol Him and give Him glory for coming to earth, taking our place on that cross, and He didn't have to do all that, but He willfully submitted to the will of God. Think of not only the things we preach on Easter and Passover time, all that He went through, but think of just walking away from heaven and taking on the nature of all of us and subjecting himself to all of that for 33 years. That's a great sacrifice in itself. So I want us to remember 
His sacrifice, I want us to remember that the reason for the season is Jesus. The world has hijacked a lot of that. The reason for Christmas, and you hear this a lot, and I understand where people are coming from, but the reason for Christmas is not family. The reason for Christmas is Jesus Christ. Let's give Him praise. Amen. That's the reason. You guys can come to answer. We're going to sing this morning together. Let's all stand. I want to pray over us. And I just want us to really focus on what it meant for God to send His Son to all of us, to the world, and what that means for you and I as believers. And if you're not a believer and you're watching this broadcast or you're here in this building today, you can be. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in the one that God sent, His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank You for the privilege of being able to celebrate today who You are. We thank You, Lord, for coming into this life and taking our place. We thank You for all the blessings You've given us, starting with the forgiveness of our sins and all the other things that You've given us, Lord, in our lives. We know that You can do far above what we can think or ask. The greatest gift that any of us have ever received is You. And we celebrate that today as we sing to you, as we sing about you, and as we give you praise. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into our service today. Help us to keep our hearts and minds on Jesus and to give him the praise in Jesus' name. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give him praise this morning. with all of us together here as family to celebrate God sending His Son. Now Christmas is like Hanukkah. God only instituted seven holidays or holy days. Those are the feasts. The other ones you find have been created by man. Nothing wrong with that as long as the focus is on the Lord. And uh, Hanukkah is like Christmas in the fact that the people created a feast to celebrate God's victory to them. We created Christmas to celebrate God sending His Son to us. Aren't we thankful about that? And uh, if you read in John, Jesus actually went up to the Festival of Lights. I think God is pleased when we have days set aside to recognize the most important things in our life. And the most important thing in our life is Jesus Christ. Let's give Him praise this morning. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, turn around, you may be seated. I really feel like that I've got a word to share with you from the Lord. I didn't, I don't know what I was thinking about Christmas, but I really feel like the Holy Spirit jolted me with this. And so I, I want to I wanna share it with you. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures that talk about Jesus' birth leading into something. Uh, in Micah chapter 5, verse 1, <clears throat> says, Now gather yourselves in troops, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, 
Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Jesus was here before the foundation of the world. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. That's one of the prophets telling us about Jesus. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Let me read you something here, setting the stage for what I want to share with you this morning. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ, in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. I'm sorry, verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. As after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. The miracle is the conception. They'd been having babies for 4,000 years. The miracle here is that a virgin has conceived by the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He didn't understand. She's telling him probably uh, what transpired between her and Gabriel, and he don't understand. He's like any of human being. How can you be pregnant and not have been with a man. And of course, Joseph don't want her to be subjected to stoning, being pregnant out of wedlock. So there's a lot going on here that Joseph's dealing with. It says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you to marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So he has it all cleared up for him. Now, think about this. You talk about faith. Joseph and Mary had to really live by faith. You think about trying to explain this to others. Think about that. Think about Joseph going to his friends saying, Listen, my fiance's pregnant. And I know I haven't been with her. She's telling me that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and you see his buddies let's put flesh and blood on it his buddies probably saying yeah yeah you buying that you, you uh, we got to realize these were people just like us imagine mary telling her family and her dad saying where's joseph i'm getting ready to talk to him that's flesh and blood these people are normal like us, and that's what I'm going to really get at here in just a minute. They were just people like us. They were born of flesh. Joseph and Mary both had earthly parents. Jesus is the only exception to that. They were just like us, born of flesh, trying to find their way through this life, having to live by faith, having to trust God and believe in Him. And they certainly did it. And it says, Joseph uh, was told by her, I said, She's, uh, what's conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, or Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There's the good news right there. 
You know what? There'd certainly be no reason for Christmas, but there'd be no reason to have a church. If that weren't true right there, if God had not sent His only begotten Son in the form of flesh to take our place and to cover our sins, to forgive us from our sins, everything would be vain. It would all be useless. It would be a free-for-all for all of us down here just trying to get what we could get out of this life with no mind of the next life. But thank God, God sent His Son in the fullness of time. Amen. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So God came in the form of His Son in the flesh to take our place. That's the good news. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's the good news. Nothing you're doing right now would have purpose if that hadn't have happened. Everything would be an end that you choose, an end that comes into a dead end, right? If, there's, if Jesus hadn't come and forgiven us of our sins, we wouldn't have eternal life. So everything would be an end and everything would be, wind up in a disappointment because there would be no eternity for us to look forward to. Sometimes the things we go through down here, one of the best ways to overcome them is to realize we have something better waiting on us on the other side. Job said man's days are few and full of trouble, right? And we find that out as we live life. Life keeps throwing us curveballs, right? But there's something that overrides all that for those of us who believe on Jesus Christ. The Son that God sent to us, His only begotten Son. It overrides all the stuff that comes into our life and tries to invade us and bring us down and make us disappointed and discouraged. Something overrides that. It's that relationship we have with Jesus Christ and the hope the hope without a question mark, that this life's not the end-all be-all. If this life's the end-all be-all, then I'm sorely disappointed. There's something greater than this. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 1. This is where I want to spend my time this morning. I won't keep you too long. But in Luke chapter 1, I want to read to you starting with verse 26. But before I start with verse 26, I want to give you the backdrop of what happened already in this chapter. What happened in this chapter already was that John had been told that he was going to have, excuse me, Zacharias had been told that he and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a son. He's a priest and he's, he's been praying about this. And actually the angel shows up and says, your prayer's been answered. And then he don't believe. And so because he don't believe, he's, they're getting ready to have John, the one we call John the Baptist. And it comes to pass but the Bible says the angel said to him, because he did not believe, he took away his voice until the child was born. He was mute. He said, and that's exactly why. Because of his unbelief, the Bible says his voice was taken from him. And I think something that's implied there, we all should take heed to. If you're not going to believe in God and take Him at His word and trust Him, you don't really have anything to say. I'm going to say that again. Why would a Christian get advice from somebody who's a non-Christian? You know, one of the things that irks me the most is to lead somebody to Christ 
and, and their family members that ain't been in church in 30 years come out and tell them how to live for God. That drives me crazy. You know what makes me want to lay hands on people? That right there makes me want to lay hands on people. Lead somebody to Jesus and somebody ain't been to church in 35 years is going to tell them how to live their life for Jesus. If you're not going to live by faith and take God at His word and let that come out of you, the Bible says we should speak as of the oracles of God, right? That's what Peter said. So our, our faith should come out of us when we speak. And if we're not going to live by God and take Him at His word and trust Him and trust Jesus Christ, we really don't have anything to say. And John was mute after that. And then God's promise still come to pass, we know, with Elizabeth. Now let's pick up verse 26 because this is going to be Mary we're talking about. I want to show you some things in here that are real life things. That's why I emphasize these people were just like us. Mary will be remembered and called blessed for the rest of her life, but Mary is not deity. She died like all, all the rest of the people did. She's, uh, she is a child of God. She Listen, if Mary was deity, she would not have sent for Jesus to turn the water into wine. She'd have done it herself. Amen. All right? Now, she's a blessed woman. Highly favored. But you want to know why? Because she believed. Same thing Abraham did. In verse 26, it says, Now, in the sixth month of a, uh, the angel Gabriel, and we know this, we see, as I've shared with you before, there were three archangels, Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael. Lucifer rebelled and took a third of the angels with him, but Gabriel and Michael retained their first estate, as how it says it in Peter. So Michael is a warrior. He's shown as a warrior. Gabriel is a messenger. He's, he's here to give a message again. It says, It was sent by God to the city of Galilee uh, city of Galilee and Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, there's a passage in Hebrew, and I want to caution you all this in a good way because we're living in the last days and we're going to see more, I believe, supernatural things take place. I believe the devil's going to step it up on his side, but I believe God's also going to step it up on his side just like he did with Moses. God wants to show the world who he is because it's not his will that any would perish, right? But that all would come under repentance. So God is making himself known. But uh, the Bible says, be careful to entertain strangers, lest you entertain an angel unaware. Now this is written after Jesus has already come and gone. He's been born, died, been resurrected. So Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, gives us a little tidbit there saying, be careful, you might be dealing with an angel sometime. So the angels are allowed at God's bidding to manifest themselves. And we've heard stories and missionary stories where things like that have happened, where the angel has went, maybe done something on their behalf in a supernatural way. We read about those things in the Scripture. But the reason I bring that out is I want you to be aware that we're living in the last days and God, he, He's not above manifesting Himself in a supernatural way. I, I'll give you a story. This was in uh, Reader's Digest years ago. I forget if it was the, uh, the Hoover Dam, but one of the big dams out west... They were, this was a story in Reader's Digest where this guy had uh, fallen off the dam. And when you fall off the building of a dam that size, you're dead, right? You're either buried in the concrete or lost in the water or whatever. 
this particular day, you know how they work in those baskets out by cranes, there was a guy in the basket who caught the guy. He fell off the dam. The guy in the basket, true story, the guy in the basket called him. Now, that's one indication right there of a little bit of supernatural strength, right? Somebody that, now I know these couple of us could do that, I understand. No. <laughs> Not true, right? But you think about somebody catching somebody falling and bringing them into that basket. The guy who called him hired in that morning and never came back to work. Now that'll make the back of the hair of your head stand up. But why? We know God is that awesome. We know He can conceive his son in a virgin. Right? We know how awesome he is. We know he can part the Red Sea. We know he can do awesome things. And the most awesome thing he did was send his son in the, in the form, in a form of a natural man, born of a virgin, so we could have our sins forgiven. That's the greatest thing in life. Amen? So, uh, she, Mary is... Uh, Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. Verse 29 says, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now all of us can find favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Praise God. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? See, these are natural people, right? How does She's trying to bring... And that's what happens. What God does sometimes will make your brain mad. Because you won't be able to figure it out. How do you think Gideon was feeling? When God got through with him, he had, I think they had 120-some thousand. On the other side, he had like 20-some thousand. By the time God got through with him, he had 300 guys left. God said, send all the scaredy cats home. And then all of them went home. And then he said, take them down to the river. Let's watch them drink. And when God was through with them, 300. Now, Gideon's probably thinking, I, it was bad enough odds before we'd done all this, right? And now here I am. But see, God does things, and the, He tells us why He does that. He said, I did this because you were few in numbers so that He would get the credit, God would get the credit, and man wouldn't get it. Right? We need to learn that lesson, make sure it's ground in us, that God should always get the credit for everything good in our lives. Can you say amen? And so then she says, she's, she's trying to, you know, she's got that natural barrier, uh, and she says, uh, how can this be, Right? It says, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived. And she was past childbearing, so that was a miracle too. And that's why Zechariah's question, even though, have you ever done that? Uh, you pray about something, God answered, and you just freaked out over it. Right? And Zechariah is like, Really? 
how can this happen? Well, that you've been praying for. And so his wife is another miracle, like Sarah and Abraham. She's conceived, and, and, the, and the angel knows about all this because he, he's the one that caused all this to happen and said, The Spirit's going to come upon you, and now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also has conceived the son in her old age, and this now is the sixth month for her who was called barren. So John, John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus in the natural, although Jesus was uh, thousands and millions and trillions of years older than John. If you can date, you can't date that far back. For with God, here's a good word, for with God nothing will be impossible. Let's read that together. For with God nothing will be impossible. Now, I make an impossible list every year. I, put, I make an impo- things that I know I can't make happen. And we're going to do that together next Sunday. It'll be the first day of the year. We're going to make an impossible list next Sunday. We're going to make a list of things that you can't do. It's, you know it's going to take God to make that happen. I looked at my impossible list from last year. I had five things on it. Three of those happened. Praise the Lord. Three of them happened. They were things that I couldn't do. I prayed about them, and I know my role is to believe and, 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 and uh, intercede, intercede. but I knew that for the, those five things to happen. So I'll probably re-up those other two, bring them right into this new year, and add some more to it. Because God's able. Nothing with God is impossible. So you think about what you're going to put on your impossible list next Sunday, and you're going to carry it with you in your wallet or purse or uh, Merce, whatever you carry, and you're gonna when you think about it or when you see it, you pull it out and pray over. It. That's what I do year round. I got these this impossible list. Been doing it for a lot of years, and I've been bringing the church in on it some years. We probably need to do it together every year. Make this impossible list. So he says, "For with God, let's read this together. For with God, nothing will be impossible." Now I'm not trying to play tricks on you. I told you, all five of them didn't come to pass. Two of them didn't get answered, but three of them did. I'll take that. I'll take one of them getting answered, right? And so we're going to get ready to make our own again this, this coming Sunday. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now that's submission. That's faith, right? Now she's, she's receiving what the Lord spoke to her by Gabriel. Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country in haste to the city of Judah, entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So there is a consciousness of that baby in the womb. When Jesus showed up in the other womb, the other womb rejoiced. Don't be telling me that baby's not a baby in that womb. And it happened that Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, and the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, see what's happening. These people were spiritual people. Remember when I preached a few weeks ago about when Jesus said, your brother's going to rise? And Martha said, yeah, I know he'll rise in the last day. They had good theology. They understood all that. 
These people are learned. They're not unlearned just because they don't have a cell phone or a computer. These people knew they might be better off than the rest of us, right? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. There that word joy is again that I've been talking about. You need joy. We all need joy. And then look at the next line. Blessed is she who believed. And this is what I want to show you this morning. This woman is blessed because she done what? Because she believed. And you know what that word is? Pisteo. You know what that word blessed is? Markarios. The same word that we rejoice over in the Beatitudes. God is saying to this woman, who's a natural woman, you are a receiver of divine favor because you pisteoed. I want to say that again. The thing that's available to Mary is available to all of us. You are a recipient of divine favor, he told Mary, because you had faith with action. You had verb faith. You believed. You took me at my word. This is the reality. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen in your life. You can, you, I don't want to be like Zacharias. i got something to say. You know why? Because I believe that my God still can do anything. I believe He's still in the business of doing anything. I believe He sent His only begotten Son. I have hope without a question mark. I no longer have to fear death because Jesus Christ has come out of that grave. And if He come out of that grave, I'm coming out too. I'm coming out too. Now, she believed and she acted on it. Mary was asked to do what we've been asked to do. That's what we've been asked to do. To take Him at His word and act on it. And then if we do, we are recipients of His divine favor. Can you say amen? Now here we are. We're in the same spot as Mary. And here's the challenge. You and I can be impregnated with the life and the strength of God, or we can live our lives by our own strength. That's the choice. You have a choice this morning. I'm preaching to all of you that are watching this video, that will get this podcast. You have a choice. You can be overcome by the Holy Spirit. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit's at work. So you can be overcome by the Spirit, and you can be impregnated with the life of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and live your life in that or you can try and figure this out and do it in your own strength, but we know what that winds up like. That is a dead-end street. So God is asking us to do the same thing He did with Mary. He's asking us to believe and take Him at His word, and then we will be recipients of divine favor. Can you say amen? amen. Now listen what Mary's response was. When she was reinforced about all this with Elizabeth, she'd already received it from Gabriel. Then she comes, has it confirmed, right? Let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So Elizabeth confirms it, and then here's her response. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. She didn't see herself as something great and grand and glorious. She saw herself in humility. That's just like the prodigal when he came home. That's how we should all live. We should live in humility. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Think about uh, Joseph and Mary. They, did not, they, they could not have cared about what other people thought. They, they took the risk. She took the risk by saying, yeah, let it be done to me of, everybody, of being misunderstood, of being stoned, of Joseph not uh, coming into agreement about it or whatever, being talked out of it. They, they, took, they had to not care what everybody else thought. And that's how you got to be. If you're going to follow the Lord, everybody else's opinions can fall by the wayside. She took great risk by engaging and saying, yeah, let it happen to me. Let me be the one. She wasn't saying that out of arrogance and pride. She was saying it as we read her song here. She was saying it out of humility. She said, I'm a lowly maidservant. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And everyone that believes are children of Abraham. As I said to you last Wednesday night, Abraham is the only guy in the history of the world that's been a Gentile and a Jew. And that's beautiful how God done that because He's the Father of all those who believe, whether we are Gentiles or Jews. It's beautiful to have a Father that's been both, right? So we all have access to Abraham. And through Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father, the the, the heavens, the Holy One that can't do any wrong. He has come and been only begotten. And because... Somebody, now listen to me, somebody took God at His Word and took the risk of being misunderstood or even being stoned and being an outcast and said, I don't care, I'm taking you at your Word and I'm going to act on your Word even if it lands me in a bad spot. And watch what happened for the rest of the New Testament. Taking God at His Word and standing up for God put a bunch of them in a bad spot. In the natural, it looks like. Stephen was stoned to death. Paul was in prison time and time again. Shipwrecked, snake bit. Finally, he was beheaded. All, most of the disciples, with the exception of John, were martyred in some way or another. Some of them horribly. It did put a lot of them in a bad spot. And sometimes taking God at His word and standing for His word may put you in a bad spot. But where is, is there to go? If eternal life is the most important thing, and we know that it is, where else are we going to go? It's not your best friend that you're afraid is going to be offended, or it's not the world out there that you don't want to offend by standing up for Jesus. They're not going to be your judge. None of them are going to be your judge. It doesn't matter what they know. It doesn't matter what they think they know. None of them will judge you. Nobody in the world will have the last say in your life. It'll only be God. So our number one priority ought to be to please Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. God sent His Son in a woman who said, I believe what you're saying, and I'll be the one you can use. That's my Christmas message this morning. Mary did the same thing that we've been asked to do. She was asked to pisteo 
And if she would do that, she would be a recipient of divine favor. That's what God's asking of all of us. Will you and I be the one who says, you know what? We'll take your word no matter what the risks are involved. We're gonna, you can use us. We'll be the one. We're going to stand with you. And we live in a world that's lost its mind, literally. My mother said something to me about a year ago. She said, have you noticed how the further we get away from God, how many poor decisions we keep making as a nation? One right after another. Poor, horrible decisions. You cannot, listen now, if you're not going to live by faith and take God at His word, you don't really have anything to say. And that's a problem with a lot of our leaders in this country. They're not living by faith. They're not taking God at His word. And they don't really have anything to say. Because when it's all said and done, everything's going back in the box. Everything here belongs to God. Every single thing in the universe belongs to God. Everything we have is borrowed when it comes to God. So the Lord is asking you and I to do the same thing that He asked of Mary. He's asking us to believe Him and take Him at His word and be the one that says, you know what? Think about what was going on. Mary had all these obstacles to think about. We saw a little bit of that in this passage. How can this be? How can it happen? And she knew the laws. We know these people weren't dummies because we hear it come out of their mouth. She knew that she stood a chance of being stoned. She knew she stood a great chance of being misunderstood by everybody she cared about in her own, in her own circle. We're not talking about her enemies. She had a chance of being misunderstood by Joseph. In fact, he had misunderstood it until the angel showed up in a dream. She had a, a chance of being misunderstood by everybody around her. And of ultimately being stoned. What's our excuse for not taking God at His word and stepping into it and standing with Him on issues? He's the one. They said, are you the one? John said, are you the one or we look for another? He said, you go tell John. Now John, John gets a bad rap there. John wasn't doubting in the sense that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. He'd already said that, right? He's the one baptizing. He said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But you've heard me say a little bit of this before. The Sadducees and Pharisees were an ongoing struggle because the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. The Pharisees did. But both of them believed in the Messiah. But the Sadducees developed a school of thought and it had permeated Israel that there's going to be two Messiahs. There's going to be a suffering Messiah and a reigning Messiah because you can't read Isaiah and not see them both, quote unquote. Either it's the same one that's going to be resurrected and we know that's the truth right? Or there's got to be two messiahs. You've got to have a suffering and a reigning. So the Sadducees, since they didn't believe in a resurrection, developed this school of thought of a dual messiahship. So John was really asking that question. You know, he's a man too. He's human. He's sitting in that prison thinking, I know he's the lamb that's going to take away the sins of the world, but are he's the one or do we look for another that's going to really do all this other stuff? And notice what Jesus did not say to him. He did not say, you go tell John, I'm going to die on the cross. He didn't even touch that because John already knew that. He said, you go tell John, the blind see, the lame walk. In other words, the same Messiah that's going to die on that cross is going to be the same one that's going to reign and rule. I'm coming out, I'm coming out of that grave. 
That's the good news, right? He is the one. Don't look for another. In fact, we're forbidden as believers to look into all these false religions and try to st- leave that stuff down. Look to Jesus Christ. He's still the way, the truth, and the life. Let's give Him praise. Yeah. <laughs>